0: Welcome to Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. This is episode six. and My name is Gabriel Williams, and I'm here with Ross Hodges and John Payne. So, brothers, what are you reading these days? Well,
1: um, I've been trying to keep up with the Christ Church reading challenge, and uh, currently, like you brothers, are, are reading The Holiness of God by R.C. Mm-hmm. Sproul. That's been uh, Wonderful. Yes, very challenging, encouraging uh, book. Uh, of course, this kind of book is is needed in our day, where there's so much uh, superficiality in the church and uh, a lack of reverence uh, for our holy God. Uh, also, actually, uh, reading a book called Rebellion, and uh, it's on the uh, the Stuart reign in uh, in England in 17th century England. That's mm-hmm. been been very interesting, and uh, and then also uh, finishing up uh, Carl Truman's excellent book on uh, the creedal imperative, mm-hmm. uh, essentially a, a defense of why we use creeds and confessions, and I've uh, been very encouraged uh, by that. And then, of course, just a slew of books on sanctification and the uh, Gospel of Luke, and, and now on the Psalms, as we've started this new Summer Psalm series. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you, Ross?
2: Yeah. Also, finishing up Truman's uh, book on the creedal imperative. Been blessed by that. Uh, love the clear uh, lines he draws uh, from the uh, the New Testament church to the present day, and the the use of creeds and just the fact that you know everybody has a creed, everybody has a confession. It's whether or not you make it explicit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, and then uh, our Tuesday night Bible study with the MUSC students and other young adults. We've been doing a range of apologetics issues and so I've been doing some reading for that been uh, very blessed uh, by those resources as well
1: and of course we just finished the
0: book uh, on the gospel at work and our right. Bible study has that been yeah. helpful been very helpful it's, uh, one of those things that's you know, as a man you tend to think about your vocation pretty often and as a consequence one thing that comes up is that I always ask myself the question Am I doing my work as a Christian or just like any other person? Mm. And so, very helpful book. And it's I it's kind of like getting your foot just into the topic here. Just yeah. what's your appetite? And you can read up on things that are probably a little more technical and more in-depth as well. Sure. You read anything else, Gabe? Yeah, I'm always reading dozens of books at any <laughs> point. At the same time? Usually. <laughs> at the same time.
2: The, think, but but what's unique about Gabe is he finishes this that <laughs> too. Yeah, that's
0: so, right. I think it. I'm ahead of you too in the books. <laughs> <genre. laughs> so, you are. So um, I'm going to be finished The Holiness of God probably in about three or four days or so. I'm also reading another book that came out pretty recently. It's called Beyond the Five Points. It's a book that simply discusses the fact that when people come to understand what we call the doctrines of Grace, there's a tendency to just stop there. And one of the things that this book encourages is that there's much more to Reformed Faith than just the five points. And so it's a nice introduction to those topics, and it's, I think, very helpful uh, for me personally just to read through them, to see some of the more um, distinctives of the Reformed Faith and to see why they are considered to be emphasized.
1: Indeed. Well, we are going to spend some time uh, during this episode uh, talking about uh, the call to maturity uh, Mm -hmm. in the church, that every Christian believer is called uh, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every Christian believer is called to be uh, a disciple, and that means Mm -hmm. to grow and to mature and to, to grow up. And uh, we uh, read in Scripture in First Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 1, uh, Paul writes, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Amen. And so uh, here we have this exhortation to the Thessalonians, who uh, really, as we look at the New Testament, this is one of the churches that is probably the more spiritual, uh, a, a more godly uh, church than some of the other ones that we we read about in the New, New Testament. And yet, Paul challenges them to excel still more and more. That mm. this is the will of God for them, mm-hmm. and by the way, for every Christian. That's right. That's right. That we. Uh, grow and that we be sanctified more and more and of course our reform definition of that is dying more and more to sin and living more and more to righteousness. I uh, want to recommend a book called Grounded in the Gospel Building Believers the Old Fashioned Way. It's uh, (laughs) uh, co-authored by J.I. Packer and Gary A. Parrott and in the introduction uh, some very helpful things are said Uh, They write, Not too long ago, during a building boom, a couple purchased one of a pair of houses that were virtually identical in design and were to be put up side by side on a vacant lot. The wife visited the site most days and watched the house go up. The result was a structure the housing inspector described as remarkably well-built, and it has proved trouble-free ever since. Leaks and cracks in the house next door, however, have revealed shoddy workmanship the effects of faulty assembly can be long term and so can the consequences of deficient discipling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So while things may look good from the outside or on the facade, for instance, a, a large uh, growing congregation, uh, uh, perhaps uh, some initial signs of growth, uh, what we need to think about is the long term. right. The long term. And so he goes on to write, superficial smatterings of truth Blurry notions about God and godliness, and thoughtlessness about the issues of living, career-wise, community-wise, family-wise, and church-wise, are all too often the marks of evangelical congregations today, particularly, if we may dare to say it, some newly planted ones. (laughs) We pick on evangelical groupings because we ourselves belong to them and thus know something about them from the inside. We do not imply that other brands of contemporary Christianity are free from the same faults. They go on to write, We think that as long as catechesis, which was the strength of Christian nurture in the past, continues to be out of fashion, these shortcomings are not likely to disappear. As we contemplate today's complex concerns, hopes, dreams, and ventures of Christian renewal, Discipleship impresses us as the key present-day issue, and catechesis as the key present-day element of discipleship all the world over. The Christian faith must be both well and wisely taught, and well and truly learned. A far-reaching change of mindset about this is called for, without which such well-worn dictums as, American Christianity is 3,000 miles wide and a half inch deep, will continue, sadly, to be verified recovery of the educational devotional discipline that we are advocating cannot to our mind come a moment too soon. Of course, they're speaking of catechesis uh, as uh, specifically, but when we think about the entire ministry of the church, really it's catechetical in nature because doctrine is being taught from the pulpit, from the lectern, from uh, the family lectern, Mm -hmm. if you will, and family worship, Mm -hmm. through catechesis, through Bible reading, and so forth. And so, uh, the the point that they're trying to make of course is that the church and individual Christians are going to be in perpetual uh, perpetual uh, immaturity if we do not take seriously the teaching of doctrine and bringing people to a place of maturity in their Christian life
2: that's right we we do this with just life in general don't we where we- it would be unthinkable for us to raise our children and not to educate them past the first grade. You know they there's they're a senior in in high school, and they you know they can't do fractions or you know they can't read anything more complicated than c spot run. and uh, that would be unthinkable for mm-hmm. almost everyone in the evangelical church to to treat their children that way in the non-spiritual realm. Indeed. and yet we have uh, so many. Uh, so many times we have Christians who uh, they, they they stay in first grade.
1: I've been amazed over the years uh, in the Reformed Church uh, how often I will meet people uh, within the Reformed Church and outside of the Reformed Church, just in the general evangelical church, that will be so serious about the education of their children, mm-hmm. wanting them to have a classical homeschool or private school education, wanting them to learn foreign languages, Greek, Latin, wanting them to read the classics, and to be uh, uh, in front of the game uh, when it comes to educating their kids, and then they will attend a church where the preaching doesn't rise above the most elementary kind of principles, where it's like a speedboat speeding across the top of the of the water and they never dig deep into the scriptures. There's no real strong exposition going on. Uh, There's uh, very superficial uh, music, very superficial uh, uh, life and fellowship in the church. And yet, when it comes to the education of the children, oh,
0: Hmm. this needs to be serious. Amen. I think one of the things that just needs to be said again is that we wouldn't expect this even at our jobs. So if we were an employer and we hired someone say they're a first year rookie we would not expect them to have the same knowledge the same technical skill or really the same just maturity as someone who has been with the company for 35 years we will probably fire the person if they haven't grown in 5 years in terms of their job performance right and so the christian church is not a it's not a employer employee relationship but it's equally as serious we expect that when a young a believer comes into the actual church we don't expect him to remain at the same level of maturity as someone who has been saved for 35 years that's basically de- devolving back into your infancy essentially indeed and
1: the Apostle Paul of course uh, brings this criticism to uh, Christians who are under his spiritual authority whom he loved dearly who came and preached the word of Christ to first Corinthians chapter 1. He preached uh, Christ and Him crucified and taught them the scriptures, and yet when we get to chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, he says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. So essentially, he's bringing this uh, this rebuke, uh, this this correction. Uh, explaining to them that they should be farther along. Uh, They are still acting like children. Mm -hmm. And we read in other parts, Ephesians chapter 4, for instance, where it talks about the call to grow up and to mature, not to be tossed around like children with every wind of doctrine. And what happens is when we are in a place in our Christian lives where we are not seeking uh, strong Christian discipleship, accountability, uh... where we are not studying our bibles uh... we we will remain in a place of spiritual infancy and immaturity, and that is not the place god wants us to be and that's not the place
0: that the church should want their people to be and if you look at paul's one of the things that's i think very exciting to study paul's prayers throughout the new testament and what you will find out just by reading through it how concerned he is for christian growth and so one of the things that my wife and i were studying recently was colossians and so one of the basic prayers he has in chapter one says that he prays that they will be filled with a fuller knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord mm. to please him in all respects, bearing mm. fruits in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So Paul doesn't have a view that Christians have a static, stationary spiritual development. The righteous are... Basically, growing in knowledge, they're growing in their faith, they are becoming more firmly rooted in the gospel, they're growing in their sanctification, they have more fruit to show. And so, this is a you can have an agricultural analogy here. What would you say to a apple tree that doesn't grow an apple in 12 years? Something's wrong with the tree,
2: probably. Well, Jesus had something to say about that, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. you, know, you cut it down and yeah. throw yeah. it in For the it fire, <laughs> you know. exactly.
1: Yes, and and when we look at at Colossians, uh, we we see a bit of an autobiographical uh, comment made by Paul in chapter 1, and uh, he speaks of this uh, goal for the maturity of the church. Uh, It was always Paul's goal, and it should be every pastor's goal, for his people uh, to grow mature in Christ. And of course, what do you give them in order for them to grow, you give them the word of God and not just some of it, the but, but you give the, the whole counsel of God. And he writes um, in in chapter 1, starting verse 24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. Yeah. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then he goes on to write, Him we proclaim, that is, Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Notice it's not to present The officers mature in Christ or to present the future missionaries mature in Christ or some select group in the church it's to present everyone Everyone. every single Christian is called to Christian maturity and then Paul writes uh, in verse 29 for this that is for the Christian maturity of everyone I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me This is what Paul is toiling for. This is what Paul is struggling for. It is the maturity of God's people. I think that this needs to be what every minister struggles for.
2: Absolutely. The reason being with the gospel logic here is that if you are a Christian, You are connected to Christ. Amen. And we we see this in John 15, Jesus' teaching about the vine and the branches, and just to piggyback on Gabe's uh, comment earlier about the agricultural analogy, we see that all through Scripture. Jesus, here in John 15, we see it in Psalm 1, uh, we see it all over the place, that the idea is that you are connected to a vital source, uh, to the vital source of life when you are connected to Christ by grace through faith and so to to think that one can remain uh, stagnant uh, is is to misunderstand what the Christian life is and is about because if you are connected to the vine then you will grow as a branch and you will bear fruit
0: Amen and ultimately this also occurs within the context of the local church yes when we talk about people growing in Christ they don't grow as isolated members away from other Christians one of the beautiful things about the church And what you read in the New Testament is that we have godly role models, in a sense, within the actual local body. We have older men, we have older women, and we have younger men and younger women. And the dynamic is that we are all being sanctified, but there are obviously people who have been walking this race for many more years than we have. And it's the blessing of the church to say that, I not only have the scriptures which are sufficient, but I can walk alongside a man who has known the Lord for 30, 40, even 50 years. And it's a beautiful thing to go to a church to see someone in their 80s who has been walking with the Lord for 50 years or so. And you as a young Christian can say, I want to be like this man when I become his age or even beyond where he is.
1: And isn't it true as well when we talk about discipleship being lifelong that our kids, our children, are a part of this process as well? And yes. so uh, we think of some of the children, you know, five, six, seven years old, sitting in the congregation in public worship. They are hearing the preaching. They are he- they are receiving the catechesis, uh, and and God is is we trust working in their lives. Uh, and I'll never forget. Um, uh, one service uh, back in my former congregation where one of the godliest men I've ever known uh, had just lost his wife. Mm -hmm. And um, my son Hans was at the time uh, five or six years old. And before the service started, we had a greeting time. And I'll never forget watching from the pulpit, uh, my son uh, go up to this uh, gentleman uh, who was in his 70s and give him a hug around the knees. And uh, to see this man, uh, how much that meant to him. And also how much it means to me as a father for my son to be around such a godly man who has been walking with Christ for 50, 60 Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Um, That dynamic is so important, which is one reason why we shouldn't uh, have such strong demographic barriers in the church between kids, teenagers, adults, uh, older adults, uh, in in the megachurch movement, where so many Christians are involved now, the the smaller churches have gone away; they've died out, and and so many of these have gone into the megachurch this has brought uh, an unbiblical dynamic where where older people aren't around children anymore. In fact, right. sometimes they won't even see them on a Sunday. We've gone into churches before and brought our kids into the service. Some people give us dirty looks because they think our kids are gonna be rowdy. Mm. And then other people look at them like, oh, I haven't seen a child in five years. This is wonderful. Man. Right? <laughs> <You know? laughs>
2: We, uh, we, we want to guard against the danger of a church within a church don't we because the, the whole when you start separating out the singles or the young marrieds or the the youth or the children uh, and and you have a different worship setting for each one of these then as you're saying then the the, the body is divided and uh, part of Truman's point in the the book creedal imperative which we mentioned at the beginning is that when we are um, confessing creeds together as a church it's showing our unity it's mm-hmm. showing our what we believe as a, as a body and that this separates us from the world. But part of what's happening there when you have this multi-generational confession is that our children can look up and see not only their parents, but people the age of their grandparents and perhaps even their great-grandparents mm-hmm. confessing the same truth that's being passed on mm-hmm. to them. And that is vital.
1: Indeed. So whatever church, uh, say you're looking for a church, uh, say you're going to be moving and, uh, and you are wanting to be established in a, in a solid church, um, one thing you should be thinking about is where am I going to be able to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what is the answer? What, what kind of, of a church ought someone to be looking for if they're in search of a, of a faithful church?
2: Well, a faithful church, as we mentioned on a previous episode, is one where the gospel is faithfully preached. Mm-hmm. The sacraments are faithfully administered, uh, and church discipline or shepherding is faithfully carried out. And uh, you you should look for a church where these elements are taken seriously. You know, the Lord's Supper is, is not a free for all. It's it's not a um, you know just a it, like a church social picnic um, where shepherding people care for your soul. They mm-hmm. care about. Your marriage, they care about your children and their spiritual development, um, and where the word is handled with uh, great respect and and great dignity, and uh, for lack of a better word, great care once again, where the, the there 's time and energy put into preparation and to uh, teaching and delivery of uh, the the full M- uh, message of the gospel, the full, the whole counsel of God. And when we talk about this, we're, we're not saying that
1: y- y- you need to be using f- fourteen-letter words uh, in, <laughs> in the pulpit and without explanation, and uh, that you need to every other sermon needs to be on some esoteric, uh, enigmatic subject. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're not. We're not saying that, are we? We are. We are saying that there needs to be a goal in mind for every congregation. And that goal, in addition to the glory of God, the exaltation of Christ, and to be filled with the Spirit, is Christian maturity, is growth in the Lord. Our, our, our focus shouldn't be primarily numerical growth. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be programmatic growth. Uh, it should be the spiritual growth and nurture of God's people who are under our care. And the launch code for this life of growth and discipleship is the gospel. Remember back to Paul's words in Colossians 1. He declares, Him we proclaim, the Lord Jesus Christ and His work we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And so it's not our our own uh, efforts, our own... Strength by which we are seeking to grow and to mature in Christ. It is in the strength of Christ, in Mm -hmm. the energy of Christ, and taking off into the Christian life every single day uh, with the launch code of the gospel of forgiveness, mercy, and grace. It is Christ who is at the center of our growth and discipleship. And that's why. It's so important, isn't it, brothers, uh, when we think about the public ministry of the church. Some have made the point that if you are really growing in Christ, you begin to need the church less and less.
2: And that's exactly opposite. It's exactly, yeah, the, opposite. It's
1: exactly the opposite because what do we need for the life of, of discipleship? We need to hear the faithful proclamation of of Christ th- in the whole council of God. We need the Lord's table and, and, and baptism properly, faithfully preached and administered. Those things are driving us out of ourselves and to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that wasn't our idea. Mm. No, this, These were instituted as the means of grace by the Lord Jesus Christ himself for his church. These are the appointed means. And so rather than need the church less, we need it more and more in this, in this life, don't we? And so it's important to remember that the launching pad to the life of growth and discipleship and sanctification is the free gospel of grace in Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, that's it for Between the Times. We want to thank you for joining us.